are you aware if Miss Willis uh, was dating someone? Yeah, she had a boyfriend when I first got there. Did you know him by any specific nickname? Yeah, Deuce. Was a disc jockey or something. I heard it this morning, and I started Googling around for all of the guys who are DJs in Atlanta who call themselves Deuce. And unfortunately, there's more than one. (laughs) Am I going to have to go to some dude's house and not die? Are you the Deuce that was dating (laughs) Arnold? Like, am I this guy now? Is this what my life has been reduced to? I know they're paying me a lot of money at the Guardian, but there is a reason why I've quit journalism before, and it's crap like this. I'm glad you're back though I don't need anything from a man a man is not a plan a man is a companion this is the kind of quote from Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis that will live on in memes jokes and ironic needlepoint kits it's also the kind of thing that is a massive distraction from the case against Donald Trump in Georgia the one that accuses the former president and Rudy Giuliani and others of abusing state and local laws and trying to defraud voters in their attempt to overturn the vote. So a couple of questions. Will Willis be disqualified from the case or just discredited? What do the answers mean for Donald Trump or for you, the voter, in the next election? I'm Audie Cornish, and this is The Assignment. And I'm bringing in a friend to help today, journalist George Cheedy. We are recording this conversation on Friday, February 16th. And George, you're in Atlanta, right? I am. You were in the courtroom. Uh, Yesterday, yes, I was. So I want you just to set the table for us and explain how you're actually connected to this case, because this is not the first time you've been in the courtroom, just like maybe in a different chair. Right. So what's your connection to this whole fake electors fraud case? So on December 14, 2020, I went to go observe the electoral vote in Georgia. And there'd been all sorts of craziness going on. And so I just assumed something wacky would happen. As it happens, I noticed a young man who would have been one of the Republican electors and is an old friend of mine. I said hi, and he ignored me and went into a room in the Capitol. It occurred to me in that moment, if he's here, maybe the other electors are here, and what are they doing? And so I barged into the room with a camera going, and they summarily threw me out, telling me that they were there for an education meeting. Did you just say, hey, guys, what are you doing? Or did you do that thing we as reporters do where we walk into a room that we're like, this is public, kind of, and you kind of stand towards the back? I I had my camera going in front of me. I had my cell phone camera up, and I announced myself. Hi, I'm George Cheedy. I'm a journalist. What's going on here? And somebody says, we're having a meeting, and then he's got a camera. And somebody starts to hustle me out. And as I'm leaning over, hey, uh, what kind of meeting? Oh, it's an education meeting. Door slams. They post somebody in front so that I or anyone else can't get in. And in that moment, I realized like there was the Republican electors trying to do something. Because you recognized everyone in the room. You were just like, whoa. I recognized enough people in the room to go, oh, that's who you are. But I wasn't sure. I ended up taking a still from the video I was shooting and putting it on Twitter. And then my political people in Georgia were like, yeah, that's one of the electors. Yes, that's one of the electors. Yes, that's one of the electors. So fast forward to like grand jury investigation and you're being called as a witness as you're experiencing this, you're kind of encountering in real time face to face D.A. Willis's sort of work, the people, the department. And at the time, how was this case considered to be going? 
before these revelations was the idea like this is a solid case. Absolutely. There was just a general consensus that after the tape of Donald Trump calling the secretary of state's office and asking for votes and essentially threatening the secretary of state if he didn't get them, that this was as slam dunk a case as anybody's likely to see. But that she was running it well? I think so. The one thing was that it seemed to be taking a lot of time. We were wondering why it took two years, three years for an indictment. Right. But people were thinking about that, the New York case with Alvin Bragg, um, the special counsel case with Jack Smith. These cases have sort of been grinding along. But I asked because in Georgia, Fonnie Willis had been known for, like, going after teachers, right, in a cheating scandal, going after hip-hop artists about their lyrics, using this Rico thing left and right, and, like, was her reputation, like, she's tough as nails and you better watch out, or was it what's going on with this office? Yes, she was considered tough as nails. That's almost a trope at this point. What she was really viewed as as a professional a person who could write a ship that had wronged. She beat a 20-year veteran district attorney to take the job away from him. That guy was jammed up by ethics problems. And when she came in, the office was kind of in disarray. Talent had been bleeding for years and years and years because there was a perception that you couldn't get difficult cases prosecuted. One of the first things she did was basically put up a flag and say, we have new leadership. If you want to make your name in the law in Georgia, come work for us. It's safe now. And she started to get this team of really highly qualified, well-respected attorneys working for her. There was a backlog of cases that was literally piled up in the hallways on the third floor of that building. And I I saw it a couple of months after she took office, like manila envelopes in cardboard boxes six feet high stacked in the halls. And they're not there now. Yeah. And she alluded to this in her testimony in this hearing about potentially being disqualified from the Trump case and that she said, you know, I was hiring lots of outside contractors and help, et cetera, because we had this backlog, but we also had the Trump case. Like, fast forward to where we are now, and you have this revelation of her being in a relationship with one of the special prosecutors. And as I hear you talk, it makes me think like, oh, so it sounds kind of unprofessional and that that alone, the revelation would draw a lot of attention because it's a little bit like, oh, wait, this is the lady who's known for like being super tight ship. And now this feels like this massive unforced error. Nobody I know saw it coming. Yeah. We didn't see it. We're like when I heard this, I'm like, somebody's making this up. You're talking about someone else. And then I started asking around and. There were attorneys who were aware of it, at least that there had been conversation about it. I'm not sure that's because they saw something or because Ashley Merchant had been, and I say this in a positive way, had been shopping around this brief in the weeks before she actually filed it because she understood just how explosive it was and wanted to get the law right. So this was one of the attorneys for a Trump defendant who basically didn't want to as you said, go out there with an accusation that had no chance unless there was really something there. Right. I mean, my initial thing was like, all right, so Fonnie Willis is going to deny that there's a relationship and that will end this conversation and probably this lawyer, because there's no shortage of bad lawyers in the Trump thing, like the Kraken. I'm going to release the Kraken. 
Right. Sidney Powell, who who ended up pleading guilty in Georgia. Right. That was considered a significant moment. There's lots of unhinged legal stuff that's been swirling around the election and Trump for years. And so it would have been easy for me to dismiss this. But one, Fonnie Willis didn't say anything at first. And two, when I start calling around and asking, well, who is this Ashley Merchant? Is this a Sidney Powell? And I keep hearing, no, she's a very good lawyer. And if she's filing this, there's something to it. So she is the person who, in large part, was kind of facing down Willis, who decided to testify in this hearing. So everyone's probably read a ton about this already. But basically, you have this judge overseeing this hearing, and Willis is being asked to basically defend herself from accusations that she and her special prosecutor, because they were romantic partners, they were kind of living it up on the state's dime. They're going on vacations, they're going on dates, and that just the mere fact that they're in this relationship and spending money because he is being also paid by the state to be part of this case, that it's somehow incentive to keep the case going against Trump. That's sort of the thesis of why all of us are in this <laughs> experience that we had of watching Fonnie Willis defend intimate parts of her life and relationship. Talk to me about the Willis we saw, because she was schooling everyone like she was she was trying to be in control of the courtroom she was shutting down these defense attorneys left and right is this the person that you are familiar with what i think we saw on some level was an act this decision is going to be made on the legal merits by a highly competent judge McAfee doesn't care about courtroom theatrics. Yeah, this is Judge Scott McAfee. He's actually a Republican appointee and I think a Federalist Society member. Both correct, but he has, I would say, a well-earned reputation in the Fulton County Court and a very straight shooter. Basically not that kind of conservative, if you hear me. So her theatrics, so to speak, were not aimed at any of them. They're aimed at us. They're aimed at the media and they're aimed at the public and specifically the voters of Fulton County. Otherwise known as the jury pool? Yeah, but I'm thinking she's up for re-election. If this prosecution is still going on in eight months, she wants to be the prosecutor on that case. There is an argument to be made by a Democrat who wants to replace her that somebody should run against her and say, look, Fonnie Willis is tainted by all of this, but we still want to prosecute Donald Trump like she's a Pitch her on the mound and she's gassed. Lift her and send in the relief. And she's firing back against that with her public appearances right now. No, no, I am the person who has the temperament and the fire to fight through all of this and prosecute Donald Trump. I'm speaking with journalist George Cheedy. We'll be right back. We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number Smart Beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, during Sleep Number's President's Day sale, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed plus special financing for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. See store for details. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta. 
This week on Chasing Life. It's on us to recognize where we got it wrong and where we have been a part of the narrative that it is a matter of willpower. That's current Weight Watchers CEO Seema Sistani. I sat down with Seema to talk about Weight Watchers' evolution and why she thinks embracing weight loss medications could, quote, mean the end of diet culture. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with George Cheedy from The Guardian. One of the things that seems very sort of nitpicky and minor, but I get a sense is actually quite important, is trying to figure out if and when this relationship actually started. Yeah, it turns out that it's absolutely key. So Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade, the special prosecutor that she hired, are saying that their relationship did not begin until after she took office. The problem is in divorce statements, Nathan Wade, in a sworn affidavit, said that he had not been engaged in a relationship with any anybody else before their marriage ended. So if he lied in the affidavit, he's got a perjury problem. And if he's got a perjury problem, that turns into a credibility problem for the case. A friend of Fonnie Willis's testified. An ex-friend, I think. <laughs> ex-friend, I would say. But yeah, former friend of Fonnie Willis testified yesterday that she saw Wade and Willis intimate, like kissing and hugging and being boyfriend and girlfriendy, like in 2019. Yeah, we're, now we're down to the part that gets hard to parse in the legalese. Yeah. And I hate it. I know. <laughs> Even the judge seemed like he hated it. Like, he kept being like, uh, let's move on. Okay, we got it. I'm like, like, he was I, all I don't of us. I have to care about the love life of elected official. But it's significant because, again, it's just another thing undermining her credibility, his credibility, right. the seriousness of them in this office. Right. Part of the reason why she was fired up and fired back on the stand at all of this is a lie. You're lying. So let's be clear because you've lied in this. This Let me tell you which one you lied in right here. I think you lied right here. No, 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 no. no. This is the truth. Judge, and this it, is, it, it is a lie. And uh, her father took the stand and was like, I didn't see anything. I didn't even know this guy existed until 2023. It's an important point. You said earlier that it was a performance and that it was a performance for an audience that might have to vote for her. But there's also the broader audience, which is all of us, people who had heard that the Georgia case was the strongest of a lot of the cases that were against the former president because of the evidence that you talked about, the fake electors who are starting to plead guilty. Just the variety, the the evidence of Trump himself, right, using the Brad Raffensperger audio tape of him asking for the secretary of state to find more votes. Lots of people look to it as like, oh, this is the case I kind of understand, seems very straightforward and seems to be being run well. What happens if she and her whole office is disqualified from continuing this? Because that is an option here. It is absolutely an option. And it's problematic in a lot of ways. If she is removed from the case, the case doesn't go away. It will go to the Georgia Prosecuting Council which is like a bipartisan office that's supposed to, in these cases, like assign someone to something. Right. The fellow who runs it is Pete Scandalakis. He's a Republican, but again, not that kind of Republican. The question is whether or not he hands it off to, say, somebody like Sherry Boston, who is the district attorney of DeKalb County, which is neighboring Fulton County. 
Sherry Boston is in many ways a similar type of prosecutor to Fonnie Willis and will pursue it in much the same way. But he could instead hand it off to somebody from North Georgia or somewhere else where it's an elected district attorney in a highly Republican district. And that district attorney, assuming that person wants to continue the charges, might just start from scratch. And that causes delays. Beyond the November election. But, you know, George, you keep saying that kind of Republican. I think I want to make a distinction here, which is that because Georgia went through this so publicly, the phone call, the electors, et cetera, and you had people like Brian Kemp, who's now the governor, who doesn't necessarily follow Trump's lead on everything. I don't think of Georgia, yes, Marjorie Taylor Greene aside, I think of Georgia as being the kind of place that does have Republicans who feel like this was a violation and we were violated and we're not going to just take it just because it's Trump. Absolutely correct. There's a, a schism in the Republican Party in Georgia. It's been there for a while. Trump put a wedge in it, widened it. And you can say it's like the Raffensperger and Kemp Republicans who are Conservative, by any meaningful standard, by every historical standard, we would call them conservative. But they're not populists. They're not Trumpists. They're not willing to overturn the mechanisms of an election or the manner in which government operates. Right, because Kemp probably could have put some roadblocks in the way of Willis's investigation to begin with, right? Like, there are always ways to create problems. Yeah, there are ways they could have done that. They could have changed the law on her by now if they wanted to. There isn't enough political will on the right to do these things. In Georgia. In Georgia. There are people who are trying. There is an investigation going on at the Georgia State Senate. The Senate is very partisan and has a larger number of Trump Republicans, I would call them. Meaning they are making a full investigative panel into Fonnie Willis that could end in her impeachment, right, and removal from... the vice chairman of that panel was in the courthouse looking to talk to people. They're expected to start hearing testimony next week. So you're in the courthouse and, like, there's someone walking around being like, you know, I'm available for comment about, uh, hey, available for... (laughs) I I mean, I've covered a courthouse and a statehouse. Like, what did it look like? That courtroom and the hallway outside was like a tableau of what Atlanta is. I mean, no joke. Sitting next to State Senator Greg Dolezal is the mother of one of the defendants in the Young Thug case. And they're both looking at the same screen like that's being held by some journalist in the middle as they're sitting on a bench because they can't get into the courtroom because it's too packed. And so I'm watching them like, yes, this is this is the Atlanta that I know. And even Willis herself, her testimony had a vibe of kind of like hip hop station DJ talk, you know, like a man thinks this, but a woman thinks that. Men in relationships at the end of physical intimacy, women in relationships when that tough conversation takes place. And when you go to a meal, it's this. And but then you pay because that. And I'm just like, this has gone very real housewives absolutely intentional. Oh, you think so? Like part of it is Fonnie Willis wants to make sure that her voting public, the electorate, 
has it very clear in their head that a black woman is being put through the ringer on the stand. Oh, okay. So I was reading The Federalist, (laughs) and one of the essays that had a headline, the performance of Fonnie Willis is meant to do one thing, goad Trump supporters into calling her angry so she can call them racist. I wouldn't go that far. I don't think she cares about Trump supporters at all. But creating a kind of sympathy for her, right? Like, I'm looking at the comments on YouTube as I'm watching the live feed. Oh, and don't read the comments. I know. Never read the comments. <laughs> but some of the, it was a cross between, like, yes, queen, you go, girl. Fonny has time today. And people just being like, this woman is corrupt. Get her out of here. Right. That dichotomy is real. It doesn't affect her whether or not she keeps her job in 10 months. And by extension, because I keep wanting to bring it to this, whether this case continues, how it continues, at what pace it continues, and what that means for the idea of accountability. Because cases like these, to me, they help establish guardrails, right, of like, this is okay, this is not okay, this is what we consider criminal action, this is what we think is fine. And having an answer to that, I'm not saying lock Trump up, I'm saying having an answer to what those borders and lines should be, to me, is important to us as voters. I couldn't agree with you more. I've been an independent journalist for many, many years and bounced in and out of journalism, frankly, because I've wanted to get things done. I took a straight job this year. I am a democracy reporter with The Guardian. The Guardian newspaper has a desk with six reporters on it spread out around the country asking the very question that you just did. What is our democracy actually supposed to look like? What does accountability look like? What does it look like when the government actually listens to what the public demands? And I don't think we have that if you cannot hold someone like Donald Trump and any of the people that we're talking about to account if you believe that a crime has been committed. Like the idea that all of that comes down to who Fonnie Willis was dating. Right. Or who paid for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) like one day in the courtroom in Fonnie Willis's office or whatever. It's one more sign that like, like we're in the wrong universe, that something happened like 15 years ago, like the butterfly went left instead of right. And we're sort of watching the collapsing universe as it happens. There are a lot of people out in the world, in the country who are questioning democracy because it looks like this. In court. And I, I I think we have an, an obligation to tell them that, yeah, it looks a little cracked, but I mean, if the system is working, this is what it's going to look like. Is this a case of, this isn't a political question, but is this a case of someone getting burned by hubris? Or is this a case of someone kind of tangling with Trump and, and MAGA land and And that that is hard. That's like a hard thing to do because of the heat, the scrutiny. You're asking the right question. I literally couldn't believe it. I didn't believe that Fonnie Willis would consider jeopardizing her her legal career, this prosecution or reputation. And again, we're not saying by having a relationship, but jeopardize these things by doing something that could be considered something tied to this case, frankly. <laughs> right, frankly, like straight up. Just like anything related to this case. Like this this is the one case where it's like you don't want, you just know the scrutiny is so intense. I mean, in general, like even 
with my tangential connection to all of this, I live like a monk because I never want anybody to question anything about my integrity or interests or proclivities. And even if she's kept on the case, these questions are going to percolate in the community and in the public and in the historical record basically forever. And that sucks because I think she's been a good prosecutor. I, I don't know. Uh, love is weird. I have been lonely. And so I can, <laughs> I can relate. Who I among us? It. I do have to admit those moments where she was reliving their fights when she was talking about the ways that he had offended her and she just was, you call it a performance, but let's say at least performing a woman deeply disappointed in an ex-boyfriend. You know, yeah. that's that's where I could understand the, the response. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I can relate. Like a lot of stuff like that on the Internet because it made her human. But it just feels like this is a case where we don't want a human, right? You want a Jack Smith. You want someone you don't know doing their job well, almost anonymously, and as you said, without any kind of, what's the word? Question that could be raised. No questions, yeah. And it's unfair. And I think that's unfair for essentially anybody. Don't get me wrong. I have very high expectations of people who have the kind of authority that Fonnie Willis does. I live to hold people accountable to those expectations. Like this is, you know, this is why I'm a journalist. But, I mean, we're, we are confronted with the practical question about whether or not what we're talking about is actually enough to derail all of the other things that we know are absolutely important. Like this question about whether or not a president can interfere with the election that happens in a state to his benefit. That has to be more important than any of this. And I'm hoping that the judge looks at it like that. Like, is this really enough? I don't actually care what decision gets made. I care about whether or not justice is done in the end. George, thank you so much. I appreciate you. George Cheedy, he reports on U.S. democracy for The Guardian newspaper. He's also the co-host of the podcast King Slime, the prosecution of Young Thug and YSL, which was actually nominated for Best Documentary at the Ambie Awards, which are awards for podcasts. We'll have a link to that in our show notes. The Assignment is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Dan Bloom. Our senior producer is Matt Martinez. Dan DeZula is our technical director, and Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. We got support from Haley Thomas, Alex Manasseri, Robert Mathers, John Dianora, Lenny Steinhardt, Jameis Andrus, Nicole Pesaru, and Lisa Namorow. Thanks, as always, to Katie Hinman. I'm Audie Cornish. Thank you for listening.